Hi, everybody. Thank you very much for dialing into the Legible In series. Today's guest is dialing in all the way from Singapore. His name is Sherian Varghese. Sherian is a managing director and vice president for one of the big technology companies in the world. He's got a very interesting background, which is why I asked him to come on today. He grew up in Mumbai, studied computer science and engineering, and transitioned into a sales role, and is now an executive sales leader that is responsible for several different countries in the Asia-Pacific region. During today's conversation, he's going to be talking about his experiences, his leadership principles around how to adopt a growth mindset, maximize potential, and become the best version of yourself. So for the up-and-coming leaders that are looking to hone in on your craft, this is a great video for you. Sherian, thank you so much for joining us. It's uh, really a privilege to talk to you, chat back with you. It's been ages since we connected, but so happy to come on board. You're dialing in all the way from Singapore. It's early in the morning right now, but it looks like you're in San Francisco. Oh, I'm in San Francisco. I've got a good Zoom background. Uh, so it uh, feels like I'm just sitting next to the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> Share a little bit about your background, right? Jumping straight into it. You grew up in India. You studied computer science and engineering, became a rookie salesperson, and now you're a big executive at one of the largest technology companies in the world. Tell us a little bit about your background, like growing up in India, you know, with your beginnings, how that's moved you and shaped you into becoming the leader that you are today? Uh, I started my, as I said, I was born and brought up in a big cosmopolitan called Mumbai. Right. Uh, it's, 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 I call it as the, uh, the, the state country capital where Darwin's theory just fits fine. Okay. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's the survival of the fittest. In a, in, a, in a very crowded city and uh, the competitiveness has to be from your very young age. So, uh, I, as I said, uh, being born in a place like Mumbai means you have to, maybe you must have not struggled, but your parents would have surely struggled you to put you in school because schools seats are limited. So as you born, I think your, your struggle to survive uh, starts right there. Uh, and then you're struggling for everything. So you are striving hard uh, to be among the limited school seats in school. You're struggling uh, to being on a football team. You're struggling to be on a cricket team. You're, you're right. struggling to e even make it to anywhere. Uh, I think the sheer population and being a Cosmo place with too, too many competitiveness. I, I think it naturally builds up a competitive spirit in an individual, not by, not by design. It, uh, I think nothing comes easy in that. In, in that particular uh, uh, city, uh, which I grew. But really, I would say the foundation was surely built in that city. Uh, the, the aggressiveness, uh, the aggressiveness to be, uh, be in the running because every second person is as good as you. So you can't really lie down. And uh, yeah, there are many people, you, you, you could be an artist and lie down. Maybe I was not a a very well qualified artist, but uh, I, I had to struggle very much in my humble beginnings and, and initial days. Again, we came from a very small family, uh, so we had opportunities which were limited, uh, and uh, I had to really work around that. But I would say that most of my uh, leadership skills, most of the traits which I inculcated, uh, the, the the, 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 is probably, uh, I, I would say, knowingly, unknowingly. Of course, you reshape it over and over once you meet hundreds of different people as you traverse around the globe. Right. Uh, but knowingly, unknowingly, you start building it right from that one city. And I call that 
uh, the city that never sleeps, Mumbai. You know, one of the things that you studied was engineering and computer science. And so how do you study computer science and engineering and then you transition into a sales role? And then, yeah. Great question, Nishan. I think this has been asked many times to me. <laughs> Uh, again, while I, while I studied engineering, uh, I, I, I realized that I was, I, again, for ev many of the engineering grads and that too in computer science, I do wanted to be uh, one of the best coders possible. I, I, I thought that I could, I could do some really cool stuff. I could uh, develop something really intricate. Um, but as I, as I started to dwell into it, I realized that I'm not a topper on that. I, I, I could... I, I could do a good level of coding, but I'm, I'm really not at the top of my game on that. I, I thought that there were peers who, were, who probably would beat me into an MIT or, or somewhere else where I was actively trying to get into an MS uh, in the US and then somewhere that calling came that maybe, you know, this is not it. Uh, and as I started my career, uh, I started as a pre-sales engineer and I started to be hands-on technical trying to do uh, one of my first jobs was in, in it was a networking field. Uh, so I, I somehow, uh, maybe it was by design, I, I did not get join a, a, a company which had a lot of coding abilities, but I joined something which was networking related and then uh, complex networks really intrigued me. So I was uh, trying to develop complex networks, uh, working with various operating systems at that point of time. Um, really long time when Novel had just come in, uh, Microsoft was just trying to make it and many people didn't even know there was a product called Banyan Wines. So I, I, I tried to be a certif I, I tried to certify myself with all these networking protocols at one point of time. And uh, as I began on this journey, I realized that as I started to meet customers, uh, that there was a clear identified gap that Either there were salespeople who would elevate and use a sales pitch, and there would be technical people who would not understand sales. So, nice. uh, uh, the, uh, 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 a person in between who would really have the sales acumen, but with high technical knowledge, was something missing at those those days. I, I think that was the gap uh, which I could see as I was meeting customers over and over. Uh, so it's after probably four or five years of passing out of engineering is when the, the, the reality hit me that I think I need to pursue an MBA because that will be an icing on the cake. And that true combination of computer science, having an engineering mind and a business acumen together uh, will really be uh, standing out. And I, 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 I thank God for making that decision. Right. And, uh, really, it's, it's been a game changer from there onwards. And that ability to be a techno-commercial guy, and that, that's what I would put it as, and uh, the ability to technically relate to your customer if you're speaking to, and then switching gears very fast if you're meeting a CEO or a CFO, and that really made uh, it click. And I used to get immense satisfaction as I tried to do that. Uh, and that's the, 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 the journey. I'm, I'm truly happy that I, I took that combination. And, uh, and, and really, uh, the, the career just took off. And of course, uh, once I joined into... Uh, the sales career, I, I really started to completely change things in a different manner. Uh, I started to spend a lot of time reading economics. I, I really started to take interest in, in macroeconomics and in how countries shape up, uh, how emerging markets behave. So a lot of behavioral science with uh, economics was my new passion. 
and that I, I, I inculcated and developed it for quite some time. You sound like you have a real knack for education and a real knack for reading and understanding things and just self-learning as well. Like, where does that come from? I, I, as during my childhood, I was not an avid reader. And uh, I, I, would, I, I would remember my, my parents trying to tell me that um, my sisters at the same time, who, my siblings who I, I grew up with, they were avid readers, even as I saw them grow. Uh, but uh, I was so happy playing around. I was so happy with my sports. I really never focused around reading at that point of time. Uh, I, I would say the, the reading habit inculcated in B school. Uh, once I joined on the B school and then, as I said, um, I had to be amongst the, uh, the top uh, league of people I was working with. I, I would not accept after having... Uh, being enrolled into a B school to be among the, uh, just be part of the team. That's where I really, the competitive spirit came up. And then I realized that I had to up my game. Uh, and that was the turning point as far as the reading journey began. Uh, and then uh, it was, un- num- uh, I can't even count the number of books uh, which came <laughs> in that journey, right? And it was not only books. Then, then came in the HBRs of the world. Then came right. in the, uh, the business magazines and, and trying to be updated. And that's the first time in life where you really started to read for knowledge. It was never for, uh, for, for a checkbox. It was, it was to have uh, a very solid conversation with the people who you're speaking with. I, was, I always tried to have the context quite clearly because uh, I struggled earlier in some time when I would be in an industry speaking to the CEO or, or somebody on top. Uh, if you were not the domain expert, uh, your words would not be very important. That's where I started to really start doing a deep dive uh, into, in, into any subject. So uh, as you know, a famous book, 10,000 hours of reading, you become a PhD. Uh, and I, I just followed that and I said, if I were to, I were to sell into a banking sector, I might as well do 10,000 hours of reading on, on, on banking. So uh, you, might, you might not be uh, uh, an MBA in finance, but uh, you really know everything what a banking transformation means. Uh, similarly, if you're selling into a utilities or a power sector, you might as well know about what transmission grids are and so forth. So my, my, my reading style completely varied. It, it, it started off with uh, sheer reading of economics and behavioral sciences and so forth. Uh, and then it started with a lot of motivational books to, to see how leaders have shaped their careers, uh, what are the pitfalls, how do you level up and so forth. So again, all that was done not intentionally to build a career, but uh, it was just done for uh, having a solid intelligent conversation with your customers, with your colleagues for the people you work for. So that's what, how, it, how it happened. It's so important. Preparation is everything. Uh, providing value is everything. And I think in summary, based on everything you've just described, the way I would summarize it is information equals self-education, equal value, equal relationships, equal educated conversations. And that kind of brings it full circle in terms of how you grow. Right? And that's the definition of a growth mindset. Why leadership, Sharyan? It's, it's, it's an answer which I've still not got. Okay? <laughs> I, I, I doubt even if I complete and I retire, uh, that will be the answer why leadership. 
leadership call is very natural it comes naturally to you you you, you don't if, if you if you try to work towards saying that i want to be a leader tomorrow uh, i think you almost you, you will not make it uh, I, i think the the actions of leaders comes naturally so i've seen so many of them who are really hard workers they really want to lead and they uh, they put every single effort and heart uh, heart and soul and mind to become leaders but i think that sometimes uh, that journey is not fulfilled and uh, I, i don't know the reason for that i i just don't know there is no mathematical answer to it uh, but i would say that the leadership journey comes in <clears throat> how how you relating to a situation so how you behave in a situation how do you behave with people <clears throat> and as you as you come across those situations uh, that is the time uh, that uh that behavioral science takes over and that's the time that personality starts to bloom uh and that's being the entire relationship journey uh i i would say the uh the ability to 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 lead again it 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 didn't come on a platter to me uh, i had to strive for it like every other leader they you you get a chance to lead with very small teams uh, at that time even if you're a leader of four people five people in your team you're so happy because you get time to learn from them understand from them you are coaching them you're telling them what uh you are listening first and trying to tell them if there are any mistakes and nice. Nice. again purely by working for so many different places working for so many different leaders uh that cult you, again you cannot emulate somebody you 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 get impressed with somebody you you like the leader you 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 see what is important for you and then unknowingly unknowingly uh that personality just builds up and that's how leadership builds so there is not a secret formula to leadership there is not a switch on switch off to leadership i i i do believe that leadership is a staged approach uh it comes naturally as you go through various scenarios if i were to look right from maybe from school days right if you had an ability to even run a open house if you were you got a chance to probably have a stall in college school or college and you ran a, a, a festival or 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 some of the cultural program where you got a chance to show up something you already got molded i still remember running an engineering college and i was a general secretary for running a college fest and that college fest really bought in so much of your ability to bring in sponsors that was first leadership skills they were people are not reporting to you in a in a in a, in a college fest there's a group of peers who are with you but you really want to be working with them uh, and 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 trying towards achieving a natural goal automatically it comes to you 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 go go through that grind and same thing in in, in sales career as well uh, when you get your first job you don't even know how to hire the first individual how do you nice. choose your first person right this is the first time you are yeah. in authority you're trying to build a team but you don't know how is going how are you going to hire your first individual in your life but i can tell you after from that journey of hiring one person and now running over in hundreds uh, i think the journey uh, there is it evolves it evolves there's not a single point i could say that oh this was the 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 wow moment that i understood and i i i got it right and i still believe that i'm a big learner and i still have to go a long way uh, but i still come through so many new leaders and uh, so impressed with uh, 
with, with their style. Critical point you mentioned there with that example that you used around the orchestration, because leadership has a strong element of orchestration with bringing people together, bringing processes together, making things work for the greater good, right? I'd love to get your perspective on the serving people element of leadership. Great question, Rishab, uh, Shem, on this one. Uh, I, I, I do believe that, uh, as you rightly mentioned, orchestration is an extremely important point and subject as far as leadership is con- concerned. Uh, I also add another a very important word to it, and that important word would be impact. Uh, one is to orchestrate, and one is to see what is the impact that orchestration is bringing. Right. Sometimes you find that you're able to bring great orchestration, you work great towards building that orchestra, you, you try to counter problems, you're a great person to mediate, but if that, if that orchestration doesn't reach to the desired goal or that impact it creates, uh, then you're not a successful leader. Uh, leadership is about creating impactful moments. It is about working with people. Uh, and I really love people. If, if I've got a dream team and I've got all successful people with me, uh, it's not much satisfaction. It's much happier moment where you have a very average team and you're taking them over the mile, you know, uh, that is a great sense of satisfaction. Uh, uh, leadership styles also have changed over the while, right? I, I have seen, I, I was probably lucky in that way because when I started my career, uh, I had only autocratic leaders. I could not relate to them. I, I was, <laughs> I, 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 it, it, was, it was a time and an era when autocratic leaders ruled. You, you pick up any B-School book, you see the most successful leaders, they always were autocratic. They would say, they, they would tell, and that's how the teams would behave. And then if you see that evolution of, of, of leaders, look at the new genre of leaders where autocratic leaders are not the most successful leaders. Yes, they do create an impact, but that impact is through fear, that impact is through results, uh, but that is not through human emotions and empathy. But look at the new age leadership. If you look at new age leadership, and, and it's most important in our world is because we have a, a pool of people who are very young. They are in the 20s. They are in the 30s. So they came in and grew in a different world and era. And I think if, if I were to look at that entire leadership journey, I do believe that this is one of the most adaptable times of leadership which I have seen. Because... There are many, many leaders, leaders who have actually tried to change their style. I've, I've seen that. They, they came in with a different style, but then they say, oh my God, I'm working with a 20-year-old. My old autocratic ways are just not working and they've changed. So I do believe that this is a very important time in history when leaders have to, it, it's, it's, it's time to completely transform leadership styles. You cannot have to say that, oh, I had a 20-year style of leadership which was yielding me great results. I was in a capitalistic world. I just had to show growth and predictability and I was the greatest of the leader. Sorry, those traits don't count any longer. The new aims are completely different. I, yeah. I think it is about impact to your employees. It's about how you relate to an employee who is joining your organization. How do you mitigate those risks and yet be impactful? In all the midst of it, how do you bring human values? 
what is this uh, the whole pandemic bought and 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 bought in front of us i think it is it is a remembrance of human values it's a it's a remembrance about how you treat people it's a remembrance about how you connect to your people yet bring an impact and that's the reason why i do believe that it was it's tough it's uh, people are going through an emotional drain time yet results are coming good for some organization i think that's purely because of the way the companies have evolved the way the leadership styles have evolved and i think it's great time great and interesting journey right now i'm going to quote the internet a little bit with a very popular saying that people don't leave companies they leave leaders right and i'm a firm believer personally that people follow people people follow people that they can do their best under maximize their potential and just become their best and so one of the things you also mentioned in that summary was being able to adapt being able to adapt into the new age of leadership and so how do you adapt personally what are some of the key principles that you focus on from an adaptation perspective so as you know rishan i uh, in in my course of my journey um, i i had the unique opportunity to be in the us i worked in the african continent extensively in the middle east and now asia pacific <laughs> so i i would i would truly say i'm a global citizen right <laughs> and and i i i can tell you that i i i'm of the firm believer that people work for people and you have followers who would follow you to any job and i've seen that uh, instances of teams with me who are willing to join me anywhere in the world i'm i'm right. sure it, that this is this is a great thing but look at the dichotomy of the situation in today's world i cannot bring in my best people in spite of the fact i know people follow you you want to have a great set of leaders and this is where the adaptability comes into place i i you you've gone through the situation you you work in in us right now and look at the issues around you know that i've got the best team i've got followers with me as a leader but unfortunately i can't bring them on my team why oh i've got an immigration problem i've got visa issues i've got gender diversity constraints i've got everything which is against you so you know that you are able to drive in and bring the best team yet i cannot bring them because people are following you as a leader but they cannot come on board because of geopolitical reasons because of immigration issues and so many other issues now comes the question about adaptability then comes the question how do i restart all over again how do i work with the same new start and how do i start fresh with a whole new beginning and i i think i've been really fortunate and i think by doing it over and over again i've reached a stage where of course if i've got a team of people who are happy to join and i work able to work around that scenario around the immigration around the complex uh, processes of the country's organizations and if i'm able to bring a handful of them fantastic but if i don't get them i'm still happy because i mean able to find out that diamond from those available pool because i'm still able to explore with them it takes some time because you have to restart all over again you have to build trust you have to find who is the greatest talent of them you need right. to have to bucket and find out oh if i bet on this horse he will take me to the next place and this are the new set of followers i want to create in that region i think extremely difficult task but i think uh, that is the new world that is where i believe that the 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 growth is going to come of course if if you are a leader and if you have got 20 people who are willing to work with you constantly across the globe and that 20 remains then the adaptability is a problem the change quotient is not there 
but i think ability to bring up a team in the local region which you work and take them to the next level you then create that pool i think that for me uh, stands very strong in my leadership skills and i think that uh, i mastered that you've mentioned in that summary as well that you know you've been around and you've worked in different regions which is how i know you as well talk to me a little bit about how you set yourself apart and stand out to become recognized and picked for those positions that you've been in uh, you never work towards getting picked up or recognized in the first place i would say that uh, right. i i've always believed that your fortunes are made in boardrooms where you are never there this is my fundamental policy or at least i've lived with that philosophy in life your your careers your fortunes your promotions and everything what you are currently have been decided in a room when you are not there so that is the first starting principle so if you are not there in that room to defend your situation if you are not there in that room to say why i can do it that means what are people going to choose you for the people are going to always choose you for your past and with the promise of the future so you have to ensure that the 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 work what you do in the past has got the word which i mentioned impact so whatever you have done in your past life or your past roles it should leave a deep impact on two things one on people for me that is most important so it would have a deep impact on people and how you behave with them how you transform the business how you grew that business and second most organization we never work for charity so results do matter but i would say the second for me but people if you have left a deep impact people never bring up a leader because you transform the business into 20% growth uh etc people people choose you as the next leader based on what impact you've done to people and right. again when that decision happens you are not there in that boardroom you're not there to 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 defend yourself you're not there to to stake your claim you're not there to build your future all you can do is about the legacy what you've left from your past so i think that's how boardroom decisions are made so i've never worked to make uh that leadership climb over and over again so what i try to do is uh the job in which i am working towards i'm heavily invested uh i have to be sorry about it that i don't have a great work life balance not the best thing to say but uh, i'm very heavily invested in the work perspective while i do and then when i leave back to the next board room where people discuss about you about organizational changes or whether you're moving out even even look at the same thing even when you give a greatest interview for your next job and you're you're in free for it somebody in the board room has to take a decision towards you as a brand towards you as a personality it's not about how much you grew the previous company it is what the impact you made to people it's what the impact you made for the general organization you work for it's it's what the impact you made for environment towards sustainability towards towards the overall growth of that country the place where you work for and that teaches you to be at the pinnacle of leadership and the next boardroom then picks you up to say okay is this man worth an assault uh, to be promoted or to be picked up to do the next job and that's what i always would say uh, that's been my my leadership style and journey thank you for sharing that
I'm sure you have your boardroom with your leaders as well, where you're discussing the impact of your overall team. And also you're responsible for several countries in your region as well, where you're responsible for customer success as well. So organizational goals are set to you as a leader. Where do I want to reach and what, where my goals are? Yet, among the ships sailing from location A to B, there are going to be hundreds of uh, difficult moments. The, there would be a wave which is so high that it can topple you. It can, it can bring fear in your mind. Uh, you might get the a feeling of getting drowned. Uh, you might be moving left, right and center with choppy waters. You might even have the fear of not being able to see through the next right. day. But some days are absolutely great, right? It's a great day for sailing. You just follow dream, right? Right. Uh, you feel that, wow, this is the best thing which has ever happened. Same thing like you, you see behind me. It's like Golden Gate Bridge. Everything is okay. <laughs> the ocean looks like so perfect, calm and still. But those are those days as well. But I think the ability to traverse and, and change your strategy, you, have, you, you can't be rigid. You can't be rigid. You can't, you can't have that one-on-one book which you referred and said that, oh, in my job, in my previous role, in my, I did this. Sorry, I think those leadership styles don't, don't, are not relevant. The more you are able to the current crop of people, for so many times, the best idea from my team has come in from somebody extremely junior. If they had the ability to speak up and they were able to give out an idea, uh, yeah, I listen to that idea. We go back to back to that boardroom and say, "This is something what has come up. Maybe this is the way to do it, and not necessarily your idea." So that change, that maneuver, always equals risk. And you know, leadership characteristic equals risk. You have to be able to take risks and adapt and change and be versatile at the same time. What advice do you have for the up and coming leaders that are watching this? I would say take risk at every standpoint. Risk equals rewards. Absolutely. It's a, it's, a, it's a common knowledge, but if I were to allude into my journey, every single step I've taken is risk. After doing an engineering degree and when life was paying very, very well, uh, just to stop on abrupt a uh, job and then go and get into a classroom for two years with not knowing what's going to come out of it is risk. Right. Get into a country called United States and where every single thing you don't know about the, the visa issues, the immigration, and then still trying to come out of it is risk. Leaving uh, a, a very good Asia Pacific role and starting from scratch in Africa, uh, that's risk, but it's rewarding. Having done uh, an Africa role for seven years and then and, and working in Middle East and then getting completely out of the place to do out of your comfort zone and getting moving into an Asia Pacific role, uh, to do something completely from scratch uh, is risk. And I can, I would say that the more you take that risk, the more you are successful. I'm not alluding to say that or, or making an assumption that those who don't take risk at all will be successful. Right, successful. Right. They are very successful people as well. So there are always examples. Each model suits different people. For me, the risk-taking model absolutely uh, has always paid off. If everything is moving smooth for me and everything is status quo i will just try to rock the boat and see what next you know i i, I love that i like that adventure spirit maybe it's me but i i, I do believe that for youngsters uh, for all upcoming leaders try and take that risk yes it is you you will have you will go into that uh, that dilemma that uh, by taking this risk 
will I come down? But I think that self-ability to, to think that, okay, what if I come down? I will have to rework towards it and build towards it. Age is on your side. So I would say, uh, do that risk-taking much more faster. I don't want you to take that risk at 55. You're much better to take that risk at 30, 35, 40, 45. No problem. So uh, I would say the, the younger you are, uh, the, the, the bigger the risk. But I always, I'm so impressed with uh, uh, the KFC example. Uh, the, the story of KFC, the man taking a, a building up KFC at the age of 60. What does that show? So the age is not a barrier. You can take a risk anymore. Right? So you, you, there are millions of uh, examples that you can, you, can, you can risk at any age. Uh, there are age is not the barrier, but I would still say that taking the risk, right amount of risk, knowledgeable risk, well-read risk, uh, read well, analyzed well, uh, would be uh, always paying rich dividends. That's what I would put it as. That's where the fun exactly. comes from. Last question for you, Sherian. You talked a lot about impact. What is the impact that you want to make? Uh, the impact I want to be make uh, is to leave a legacy behind. The impact I want to be, uh, I, I want to make is every single role which I do, uh, people remember me for the contribution I make, uh, the contribution I make to the larger society, to the customers, uh, and impact in many, many ways. Unfortunately, I feel bad that the last six months of COVID, I've not been able to make that deep impact. Uh, it's six months probably wasted in a lifetime. Uh, I, I think deeply regretful of the time gone, right? So it's about six months you could have made an impact to society. You could have made an impact to so many other small things which you would have done. Uh, you, you, can, you can do that. And I think this is where the social quotient is very, very important. Okay. When I say impact, impact is not about just donating a few dollars to a right, right. foundation and, and, and then you still make an impact, right? You still make an impact. It's way, one way of making an impact. But uh, there are other ways of doing an impact, whether it's social work, whether it's voluntarily, uh, whether it is uh, trying to help some people, uh, whether it is ability to turn an organization and, and bring a new culture. All these are impactful things which uh, I, I want to be known for. Uh, and uh, I think, as I said, it's a, it's, it's, it's a journey. Uh, and uh, maybe 10 years from today, when we speak, uh, we can take uh, a report card of that impact. That's what I would say. Sherian, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate you taking the time and sharing your insight and sharing your experiences. This has been powerful. Thank you very much. Thank you, Rishan. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. I, I hope uh, with this series, what you're doing, uh, it can help a few of them. Uh, as I said, Sometimes when you put this viral to many of the leaders or many of young people, uh, impressionable minds, even if you're able to pick up one or two or some or even one or two of them pick some of the substances from here and change their, 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 their life, their leadership traits, uh, I think uh, this uh, interview and this initiative by you is well invested. So thank you very much for being here. Very kind of you to say thank you so much, Sherry, and I appreciate it. Thank you very much. You have a lovely time and all the yes. best.